my goodness. They're like, so now that you're 42, do you know the meaning of life? I'm like, far from it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Aaron's having a breakdown. It's okay. <laughs> so not the first time. Do, do I want to know? Am I going to know? Possibly, but not really. Because I don't think I can actually, unless you want to read it, I can't exactly spoil it for you. Mm. What are you not spoiling for me? What's the book? What I'm currently reading. Okay. What are you reading? Oh, you are know, we let's there just yet? get it kicked We're off. We're not there yet. The I think we should be. Okay, Eric, what are you, what are you reading? reading? Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, I'm reading a webtoon. Oh, okay. Um, and Which the one? title is called Everything is Fine. Oh, I'm not reading it. Spoil it. <laughs> Spoilers ahead. <laughs> Spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't reached chapter three. Go to the doobly-doo to find the time signature. will be received in at 143 East Mall. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's... So the premise is essentially um, there's Sam and Maggie and they're your everyday normal couple. Oh, Sam and Maggie, not yes. Sam and Maggie. I was looking, they literally like, there are magic salmon? It's like a <laughs> New England yeah. fishing town. Yeah. As opposed uh, to no. tuna Maggie. And yeah. um, so how do <laughs> Okay. So Sam and Maggie are... Just basically they're fine. Yes. Everything's fine. Um, you don't question it. Um, their life is normal. They have a normal dog, they have a normal house, they have a normal life. The more you say this, the less I believe it. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, you just don't question the fact that they wear cat hats. Literally, like, you know like those like mascot heads? Yes. It's cats. Okay. But they're wearing those. So like, and it completely covers their face? Yeah, so it completely like, covers like their face. So they're furries? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the listener decide which no yeah. and which yeah. Who was Erin pointing at when she answered those questions? <laughs> and, um, so they're fine. Everything's like normal. They have their normal neighbors who act just as fine and they live. And, you know, it's all fine. Except um, they're being watched every day. By? by cameras and by uh, the government and everyone around them. And they have to basically act like a 50s nuclear family. There's no children involved yet. But it's essentially like, you know, she's the housewife, he goes off to work, da 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 da, everything is. So basically, it's THX 1135 via Leave It to Beaver. I haven't gotten there yet. We'll, we'll see. Well, that's like the premise of THX 1135 <laughs> yeah. is that. This guy discovers over time that he's being watched or something. Like no, that. they already know. Is that they already? Is know. that not also the Truman Show? That is also the Truman. <laughs> yeah, I love but the Truman Show. They already know. That's why they're wearing the masks because they can't show any emotion outside of like you know just being their happy everyday normal self. Okay. So they have to wear the cat masks, and so far every single time something has happened, like a little red dot appears in their eye, and I haven't figured that part out yet, so we're not there yet. Okay. But uh. Okay. I'm at this part right now where she's like, I'm going to feed the dog. We're going to feed Winston. And then she goes to fill the bowl, and you just see the dog on the other side of the couch, and it's just laying there. And you're just sitting there thinking, okay, maybe it's just asleep. And then you see a fly fly out of the dog. And you know exactly where it's going. 
Where is it going? If only this was a visual podcast. <laughs> yeah, the face that Jen just made. Grant's already like nodding his head. He's like, I already see where we're going. That's actually the closest I think I've ever seen um. to Jen throwing up based on a fictional premise. It gets worse. No. Okay, so what are you playing right now? Um, now that you've, you know. She says, no, I want to finish. Sufficiently freaked us all out. And basically the rest of the premise is uh, she's, Maggie, it's following Maggie. Maggie is the main character. Yeah, okay. She's the wife. Uh, she's figuring out that other people aren't conforming to what's going on, and there's other people uh, who okay. are cool. kind of cool. So she's slowly breaking out of that cycle, and sure. so that's kind of what I've gotten so far. Sure. Uh, what I'm playing right now is, um, well, Sims Four Werewolves because yeah. I can't not play Sims Four Werewolves naturally. And then I'm also still playing Wasteland 2. Mm. Hopefully going to transform into Wasteland 3, which is basically, you know, tying this into the podcast theme this week. Um, basically like a D&D CRPG, but set in like an old-timey West type apocalyptic cool. time frame. And you are set with your friends or a group of people, and you have to go find this guy who disappeared or find out why he disappeared or died. Mm -hmm. And it leads you on this whole entire, like, chase to... Um, somebody's trying to poison everything, and you have to go save everyone. It's very okay. interesting. Anyways, uh, 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 uh Jen, okay. what are you reading? Trying to bring you some happiness from my very yes. horror-esque uh, filled book. <laughs> I am technically rereading an older book from my shelf, but I haven't read it in like four or five years, so it may as well be reading it for the first time. Hmm. It is called Nothing Happened by Molly Booth, and it oh. is a retelling of Much Ado About Nothing set at a summer camp in Maine. Interesting. That has you all over it. It is my brand. <laughs> and I love it, because there's bits, yeah. like, obviously the main characters are B and Ben, mm -hmm. but they've renamed some of the minor characters as need be. Oh, sure. It's not Hero and Claudio, but Hannah and Claudia, who are the subcouple. See? Okay. All right. Oh. All right. I'm here yeah. for that. Yeah. I'm here for that. And it's just, it's good. It's got, like, the nods to the original. I even had to, like remind myself of a couple character names to see how well they all tied in and like mm -hmm. yes some of the naming has very much been done like um you know how Benedict's friend is Don Pedro mm -hmm. his name is Donald King in this book <laughs> there's just little easter eggs for Cute. the much ado fans in there and it's yeah. a really it's a nice retelling it's a good, good. summer read you know yeah. I'm into it Fun. Andy I am reading of Dice and Men <clears throat> wow you were prepared <laughs> I got into this, it started over the weekend. I started looking at books about the Satanic Panic, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. Oh, yeah, um, we have to talk about Satanic that. Panic That's on D&D. &D. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and got a PowerPoint. I couldn't find easily accessible a copy of the book, and I didn't feel like buying it just yet, but it's called Dangerous Games, where it's very much about the Satanic Panic and D&D. &D. The most dangerous game? You know. <laughs> not that. I came across this other book called Of Dice and Men, the story of Dungeons and Dragons and the people who play it, which is... You know, hint, it's about Dungeons and Dragons and the people who play it, but it also explores <laughs> the history of tabletop, like board games and okay. tabletop gaming. Um, I'm a couple hours into it. I'm, I'll probably be done in a couple of days. It's, it's, it's narrated well. It's written engagingly well. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's not going to be like, I, I did pick up another book. Uh, I was started it this weekend, Atari Age, The Emergence of Video Games. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna put it away for a while and come back to it because, like, after like 25, 30 pages, it reads like an intense dissertation. 
<laughs> and I'm like, I'm not in the mood for that. Yeah. No, that's so, yeah. But yeah. like, uh, of Dyson Men, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Um, what I'm playing, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, oh, of course. which is a beautiful I homage to the coin-operated arcade cabinet classics, Turtles specifically, of yesteryear. Um, because if ever there was going to be a character, a Stranger Things character in this podcast, it would be Andy. <laughs> I will. By Naturally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I watch Stranger Things yes, and I no, relate I to it so thoroughly. Sure. I mean, yeah. just the dumb stuff. Um, you were yeah. also fighting horrific, like, p- paranormal evil at a tender age. <laughs> so what do you think Satanic Panic was all about? <laughs> I grew up in a Catholic family. Like, like they were fighting all demon demons. And, and I went to Catholic school, so like everything was a demonic entity. Do, do they teach exorcism class in Catholic school? I'm a Protestant, so I don't know. I would tell you, but Sister Kateri would rise from the grave to put me down. Okay. Seriously? You can't just give me a, like... A few of them? I just put something together what? that has nothing to do with anybody here. It's fine. Interesting. Grant, what are you reading? Oh, I am reading uh, the new Dan Sean book, Sleepwalk. Oh, yes. how um, is it? I've been waiting for you to read that. It is good so far. Oh, good. Um, it's So Dan Sean is the author of Ill Will, which is a book I really like, and a few other books, which I also like. Um, this is definitely a different beast altogether. It's okay. more of a kind of a near future okay. um yeah so it takes place in the near future climate crisis yada 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 um <laughs> we follow uh basically if the big lebowski was a hitman traveling across the nation <laughs> if only this was a visual podcast andy is looking at everyone to see right andy's right? face love how grant's just like oh it's just a little bit of a different flavor you know it's a little Kim Stanley Robinson with some big Lebowski in there. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, what? You I mean, literally just saw Andy drop everything to right? look this up. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely still a bleakness and like a pessimism to it. It's a future, over. of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but there, it's definitely it, it's it's humorous as well. Like oh cool. Like yeah. if, if you if you've ever seen like No Country for Old Men, like it's like uh, that at its lightest, like sure. it, at, in its briefest moments of like sure. kind of offhanded jokiness. That's okay. kind of the tone of the book, I'd say. Oh. Um, and so it's McCarthyan, as uh-huh. in Cormac McCarthy. It's more Coen Brothers than McCarthyan, uh-huh. I'd say. Okay, all right. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and then, sorry, we just went in term <laughs> yeah. paper. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it's fun. He has a he has a cute little dog sidekick and everything. Mm. I hope nothing happens to him. Oh, I'm pretty um, sure this book something's is going to happen. How many for Andy? Something is going to happen to the dog. I, I mean, that's like the first thing course. I fell in love with. In lots of ways, a little that dog. There's figure. been enough dog-related trauma in this podcast already, <laughs> and I, I can't like, even be near real-life dogs. <laughs> I, I literally started the podcast off with the trauma. Um, I say this is the person who can't, like, who has to social distance from dogs twenty four seven. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I'm not liking it as much as I, as much as it will at okay. this point. But it's it's just a different flavor. Sure. Um, and also, it will had to do with the uh, satanic panic. So that's another plus. Hey, that's so, good. Oh, hey, nice. so Tony, what are you reading? <laughs> yeah. This will surprise probably no one who's listened to this podcast in long enough. But I am reading a lot of Beowulf, by which I mean to say that I am wading through several translations and adaptations. Um, 
I wa it was all to do with research, but now I've changed course and I'm not doing it for research. I'm doing it just because I really like Beowulf and I needed a fix. Hey. So I'm sort of just reading a bunch of Beowulf right now. I would like to start The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin sometime this week because I need, I'm going to do an Ursula read through. Have you already read I that need one? To. I started that one I and I got a chapter in and I did not. Of, mm. What I was in the mood for. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. It's on my. Yeah, I'm doing an Ursula reread and, and following one guy's read through on Tor.com, and he started with Left Hand of Darkness, which is the one I really want to read right now. So I'll start with Left Hand of Darkness. Random little tidbit for you, go. Tony. In Jackson, there's 127 Brewing, and um, when you buy into the Mug Club membership there, sequential. You're, mug one, mug two, mug three, whatever order. Mm -hmm. But the guy said, do you want to pick a different mug number? I'm like, can we? 1138. <gasps> you got a 1138? I don't know if they have 1,138 mugs there, but just the fact that they let me pick a number, I'm like, I want something nerdy. So I picked 1138. Well done. So people come back like every now and then like, really? You have to, I mean, yeah. There are two things that all George Lucas made Star Wars movies have in common, other than father and son stuff mm -hmm. and Skywalkers. <laughs> so throwing those two things aside, yeah, one of them is one of them is one one three eight. Somewhere in all of them, there's a one one three eight. Isn't the uh, bumper sticker on like one of the cars an American graffiti? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, because one, the THX one one three eight was his first like feature. Um, so there's that. So like for example, in Episode One, it's on the back of one of the droids that Jar Jar has just destroyed. It's fantastic. Yeah. So that Easter egg is in all six of them. And then the other thing is, um, I've got a bad feeling about this. In all six of them, someone says, I've got a bad feeling about this. Random tie, though. Is, um, is 1138 ever used in the Indiana Jones films? Because there's a lot of Star Wars droppings in there, like in Temple of Doom, Club Obi-Wan. Yeah, I noticed that. That almost made me, that made me like the opening to that terrible movie. The rest of it is trash. I hate that movie. We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? Dungeons and Dragons. Happy early birthday to Ernest Gary Gygax. Your birthday's on July 27th. Um, should Lord, we sing, should his we parents just didn't have no love for him. Like, your last name is already Guy Ernest Gary? Like, <laughs> sir. Homeboy's 1940. That is a very yeah. 19... And that's how yeah. this man went on to invent a role-playing game. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, it's actually for Ernest, uh, for Gary, Gary Gygax, he has kind of a fun little history. Like, you talk about his parents loving him. His mother's, like, some from some of the bios that I picked up, sounds like a loving enough mother, but the dad is the one that I really kind of connect with. Like, an older father mm -hmm. lived, you know, drove, like, these incredible distances. He'd come home, though, he'd give his son these pulp fiction magazines saying, oh, here, sure. don't let your mother find these. If she finds them, I'm denying I ever gave them to you. Stuff like Conan the Barbarian. So his dad fostered a lot of that kind of love of like the fantasy, and um, it, which is funny because he loves Conan. He reportedly oh. has always a big fan of Conan, but he yeah. self-admits self that he does not love Lord of the Rings, despite the fact that his most important creation mm. was such a throwback to Lord of the Rings. I mean... At one point, they tried to name their uh, halflings. Um, they tried to name them hobbits. Cease and desist came down harsh. <laughs> well, okay. For reasons. It yes. Was, yep. You know what's interesting about that, though, yeah, is that I feel right like now. that explains his love of pulp fiction, especially Conan, 
totally explains D&D. Way more than, you know, yeah. than being like a Tolkien act. Because that's what Pulp Fiction is. Yeah, just, Conan really does explain them more. Yeah, it's, it's basically It's like just the like, vibe is there. Yeah, yeah. And we I mean, just like, know. Yeah, that makes sense. That, so, yeah, anyway. That's, that's kind of cool. So it is pretty neat. It's, um... So there's that history there. Like, obviously his parents did love him. His dad died at a little bit younger age. On that note, though, like, he helped... He was one of the founders uh, of Gen Con. Mm. So oh, yeah. Because at Lake mm-hmm. Geneva. Um, yeah. Um, which is August... 5th, 6th, and 7th in is Indianapolis, it? if anyone is interested in going. Is it? Oh, I, I want to look at it. I um, to see who's going to be there. <laughs> I don't... I don't know. Anyway, that's not the point. I would love to go to a convention at some point, but I just don't know which it's one. It's on I the bucket list. Okay. What, conventions? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. on my bucket list. Yeah, I would at least like to go to one convention, but what I would really actually want is to get in a time machine and go back to one of the old school OG science fiction conventions where... You know, yes. Where, where people like Ursula Le Guin and Samuel R. Delaney are arguing about the significance of women in science fiction. I want to sit in that room. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, you know, watch them pwn on the old men. Yeah, just keep your eyes open for Isaac Asimov. He might get a little grabby. Yeah, yeah, or he might, you know, um, inadvertently refer to you as, as the N word after you've won two Hugo Awards because he thinks, well, we're friends. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, that was his racism is over in science fiction speech. Sure, buddy. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah. D&D is not like that anymore. I was about to say, <laughs> anymore. It's, it, it's getting better. It's definitely getting better. Um, and we'll talk on that in a little bit more, like kind of the misconceptions in D&D. But stuff that well-earned misconception once upon a time. <laughs> and that yes. is definitely one of the well-earned ones. Um, D&D, for anyone who does not watch Stranger Things, has lived a very sheltered life, it's a tabletop game in which you create your own character, Like, and there's a collection of races, um, job classes that you get to choose from, backgrounds, um, you can even, but the, the one of the key points is, is you do a lot of this with dice. So as you're creating your character, you roll dice to determine how strong your character is, how smart they are, smart they are how fast. And, and even the dice rule the entirety of the game, where like you say, I wanna, there's always that little joking, like I wanna seduce the dragon. And <laughs> someone says, all right, roll your dice. You roll a natural 20, which is like the ultimate number. You can get like a, on the 20 side at D20. Um, my D&D team, I played a game literally half an hour before I came here. <laughs> we seduced nice. the mayor, so. Did yeah, my Can we yeah, just have yeah. our own D&D campaign, please? We need to my we need this. Logan actually we had it was a random NPC character that was way OP'd that the D, the DM was like I'm totally going to make you guys fight this creature, but when you come back, it was like a gnome or something. And <laughs> part of Logan's like history was that his gnome character was like the last of the gnome race or something like that or so she thought he was like um so the gnome character just mentioned something about random threesomes at some point so during this downtime in the inn roll to have a threesome with the random gnome girl and (laughs) the deal was like sure thinking it was never gonna work it, the, it was like a nat 20, and he was just like, I hate you. And so he took, 
because part of her character thing was like she was never going to attack you if you were a good lover so he had to make Logan roll to see if he was a good lover and he was fantastic and we were just like yep that's if you know Logan you know how hysterical that whole moment was so you know it's great the almighty die yeah, the diet dictates everything. My my only experience with D and D is uh, once during drama camp. We Wait, <laughs> once in band camp. Drama or trauma? No drama. Okay, I was drama like, because there's some it can take a much that can cause you drama. Drama yeah. and Sienna. Sienna. <laughs> oh, got it. When I okay. was like in high school, uh, we every single time we were there, because it's like a two week program, we'd do like an improv thing, and we all had a theme that we had Ooh, to go yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And so people got split up into groups, and I got to watch. So my group did. Um, an improv based on the whole entire story of um, that one thing from Spongebob it was like the ugliest like fish or whatever and I don't remember what it is it was so ugly that everyone died (laughs) oh yeah yeah Yeah, um, (laughs) and the other group I'm looking it up at the same time so hold on Um, the ugly barnacle Thank you. Oh, yes. That's so it. that's what we did. Like, we dressed up in wigs and everything, and we did a whole entire, like, storyline for the other barnacle. It was hilarious. The other group, however, turned around and did a whole D&D campaign in the middle for, like, five minutes. <laughs> and they had to fight a giant dragon that was about 24 feet tall. But they were only in a four-by-four four room. <laughs> and that's what they had to do. <laughs> They had dice yes, and everything. There's a lot of theater of the mind going on. <laughs> they had yes. dice and everything, and they yes. were like rolling it to see what they had to do. And it was so dumb. <laughs> That's funny. They're like, oh, yeah, you rolled like a one. So now the dragon's going to smack you and you fly into the wall. It's a four by four room. Do it anyway. You've died. You know, the rolling of dice is always such a fun thing to me. And like, we bring up the seducing this little creature or that. Because I've been at the table where, like, they's like, okay, you can try to do that. Like, I want to do this. And the dungeon master's like, yeah, go ahead. You can try. Roll nat 20. And they're celebratory thinking they got away with this, like, impossible thing, like, seducing a dragon. <laughs> and he says, all right, the dragon doesn't kill you. But I rolled a nat 20. That's why the dragon didn't kill you. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's like not everything is completely, like, despite the fantasy element of, like, creating, world building, and all that, not everything is truly capable. I mean, there's, like, a level, like, you're a dwarf, you're not gonna, like, there are certain things you're just not gonna be able to do, or... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I played yeah. a centaur character before, and, like, it, it, it kind of made things complicated, because we're climbing up a mountain, and, and this horse-type character, obviously, is moving at half speed, which... Oh, sure, because... Yeah. yeah. Uh, I kind of bypassed that a little bit with my last character. He was a deep gnome, mm-hmm. and so um, me and this other guy kind of freaked the mighty bit, and so I would crawl on his... <laughs> Whenever we were like in difficult terrain or something, or had to climb up something, which actually just to explore for other like some of the listeners out there, there are races like of course you have the gnomes, dwarves. There are humans, of course, but I don't think I'll ever play a human. They sound boring to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, the scope same. of D and D. Yeah, I mean, same. you have I've played a dragonborn, which is like a dragon, a humanoid dragon. Mm-hmm. I played now. I'm playing a kobold, which is like a two and a half, three foot dragonish lizard creature. Um, uh, a Warforge, which is like basically a wood, metal, living robot yeah. um, in the D&D world. And Oof. you've played before. What have you played? Well, okay, so two things. Uh, let's see. I played a 
Was it a wizard for my first one? You know how wizard, warlock, and sorcerer are not really the same thing in D&D because they're drastically different power mm -hmm. sets, but yeah. they're totally the same thing in your brain. So it was one of the three. I think it was wizard um, and not warlock. Anyway, he was a half-elf. I remember that. Um, and he was, like, his whole goal was, um, I gave him one character quirk that he had to stick to at all times, which was he was a writer of, tech, of textbooks of magic. Mm -hmm. But he also liked to test out the magic before he wrote about it. So throughout the entire campaign, if there was anything resembling magic... He would walk right up to it and be like, poke. <laughs> and invariably, it would always be like, roll for initiative. <laughs> and everyone goes, no, why would you do that? I'm like, he has to. That's his character quirk. Um, I also played. What did I play? Oh, an orc. I'm also playing this character in Skyrim right now because I'm. Oh, is this the one that you were telling us about? Yeah, so she's a she was a an orc. I wanted to go completely opposite from magic, so I made a like a yeah. beast, beastie literal beast orc who just like is a great warrior mm -hmm. um, and loves to fight. And because she has lost several wives in the village that she's lived in, like she's been through several marriages and several sets of families because her village is constantly raided and attacked. So not only has she become the super That's strong happened. warrior because her village has been constantly attacked, she also has a great bunch of tragedy and she's just like, fine, the world is terrible. So how about I stop having families and just kill everything? So she, that's what she does, which was great because I rolled a natural, a nat 100 to claim Thor's hammer because Thor literally shows up and is just like bragging about his hammer and my character is like, hmm, weapon I have not fought with. Gimme. <laughs> and he's like, roll a nat 100. Or roll a 100, like a d100. Yeah. And so I rolled it and I was like, oh, it's nat 100. And he, his face <laughs> turned like several shades of pink. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm gonna need a minute. <laughs> and he comes back and he's like, Thor lets you borrow his hammer for the duration of the campaign. It's like, yes! <laughs> so, I mean, you know, sometimes you get lucky. The ridiculousness of thinking about like bad experiences, fun experiences, but bad experiences, I think, in the future. I, one of the last sessions I played involved my Warforged character, like invoking my. He's a sorcerer slash warlock, so a sorlock. But I. <laughs> Facing this dragon, I exposed the dragon what? to like. Can you do that? What is that allowed? Thorlock, can you do? Can you yeah. combine? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. I guess I've just never been that adventurous. It's, Go ahead. Well, like, is it he, part? Is it part of the? the sorry, sorry. Is it part of the actual rules, or is that like a home? No, there's actually it's a legit, within the player's handbook. There's a section on multi-classing, like you have to meet certain prereq prerequisites, like. Um, like my sorlock, because he rides on the, the 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 attribute of charisma, so does a warlock. Why does so that sorcerer. sound like the kind of thing that you'd say? He rides on the attribute of charisma into the bowels of hell. Like, it's just like okay, because sure. it's, it's a fun little you know. But no, you can you, once you hit like a certain number. So like that was an easy transition going because I have a high charisma sorcerer, and going right into warlock, which really benefits from having. Um, whereas if I say my warlock or my sorcerer character wanted to uh, multi-class into a fighter, um, well, technically he could do that too because he has a high dex. 
but like normally you think like okay barbarian needs strength you have to have a certain strength to multi-class into that and you if you don't meet that requirement you can't otherwise you can so it's something to look into yeah. I, oh, actually, I didn't want to because I keep thinking about it. We had some homework. <laughs> yes. You took the quiz, didn't you? I did. Yes, I did too. So one of we the all did. one of the things is like, yeah, you can completely create, and it really, I think, part of the appeal, and this is a later question. Part of the appeal of D and D is, as a theater person, I just love going off the rails. Like when I first started play, I wanted to roll Which dice you and fight stuff. Can't do theater. <laughs> um, but it's improvisational. Oh, true. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but like I, I now nowadays, like five years into D and D, I really love the improv, the role playing side of things. Okay, sure. Um, I think that's one of the appeals to me. Yeah. But one of the things that like earlier D and D was more heavily reliant on, and newer fifth uh, edition is a little increasingly less reliant on, is alignment. But it's still kind of funny because your character might be lawful good, which they're the kind of person that's going to be like a a holy knight, like a paladin, that says, oh, we must abide by all rules and help people at all costs. They're good, mm -hmm. but they're rigid. And then you got someone who's like maybe chaotic evil, which that's, to me, that's kind of like the Joker. The They just want to watch the world burn and suffer. Yeah, right. So yeah. like maybe that would be a good spectrum. Like who would, would Batman be lawful? No, because he's kind of a vigilante. He's, a, he's a chaotic good, I think. I think well, he's a chaotic, chaotic good. Chaotic yeah, Because he kind of has that moment where he's just like, I'm going to do what I want. Okay. Like, there, is a rigid there, is an un, yeah, there is an unfair, that's a, sort of an unfair, it's whose Batman are we talking about here? Because there are some Batmans that are definitely more lawful good in the sense that it's his own law. Right. But it's very much like this is how we do things. We do not verge because it's for the good of all mankind. You know what I mean? So, right. That's very lawful, but it's also very chaotic if his version of the law is completely outside of what's normal. Societal normal. I think you want him to be chaotic. I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't, I, I but, would, like, I, I have to, like, sit there and, like... I mean, they don't call him the Dark Knight for nothing. <laughs> that's, that's that's just my observation. I could be wrong. Um, Actually, as a yeah. Supreme Batman fan, what, you go first, Tony. What was your alignment based on that quiz that we provided? My alignment? Yeah. Oh, um, neutral good. Right, we have the same one. That's what yes. Yeah, neutral good. Yeah. Oh, two neutral goods? Neutral good. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was saying everyone's like neutral. I was surprised that I got neutral good, actually. Honestly, I, really. Because I didn't like most of the questions. <laughs> all of the questions are terrible. And I hate all the personality quizzes like that, that don't, when it's like, you know, <laughs> like literally the first question was like, you know, the elders in your family are telling the other family members, you have done something wrong, what do you do? And I'm like, well, are they right or not? <laughs> oh, I don't care if they're right. And that was, again, that was one of my things that I was like, I, See, my problem with that first question was there was no option to just go, eh, and walk away like you don't care. It was you either had to besmirch them and walk away, or you had to, like, Silence listen them to them. any way you can. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there just going, well, what if I literally just don't care what they're saying, and I just want to go do my own thing and not care? Like, yeah. Are they pointing out an actual flaw that I have and need to correct, or are they pointing out something that they perceive as a flaw that I feel no need to change? Because it changes my answer. <laughs> yes! You are totally a neutral good, which is why I didn't understand that I was one, but I guess I am. Okay, but that makes so much sense. I can't do personality quizzes that don't give me, like, I need, 
concrete details. That five-point Likert scale. So basically, you can't do personality quizzes. Is that what you're saying? Not unless they're very well constructed. You do a lot of those Book Riot ones. Um, Yeah, but they actually give you decent questions and not just like these random... Oh, contraire. Those are all... I never take them too seriously because they're just like, if you were a color, what color would you be? And I'm like, blue. Well, yesterday I'm lavender and today I'm... Sharp truce. Like, what do you want? You're green. <laughs> Who do you want from me? Right. You Go could ahead. be brown. Oh. You could be blue. You could be violet sky. Yeah. You're Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because he chose blue. Because she chose blue. Okay. Okay. Grant, what was yours? Mine was uh, <laughs> way off the rails here. Chaotic neutral. You're both chaotic neutral. So I had a prediction before Andy says what his is going to be. I had a prediction that he was going to be the only person amongst the group that was not neutral. So yours, Andy, is... Surprising me, because I've taken this exact test That surprised me too earlier! Um, I was chaotic good. Yeah. Yeah. And... Given... Speaking of Batman, given the Batman that you prefer, like the style of Bat, like the Batman character that you prefer, that doesn't exactly surprise me. And also, given the last six months in the United States of America, that does not surprise me. Because <laughs> I know, like, so I, I can't remember. Like, I did it like a year ago when Megan passed me this specific alignment test because uh, um, she introduced me to this. Of one. course, she did. And Megan back then, I got. I took it like a couple times. I'm like trying to like yeah like because there were a couple responses where you're looking at like okay I would do this I would do this mm-hmm. so like I got true neutral several times in a row mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, a chaotic neutral. Um, Interesting. One I but I've never gotten good in any of these personality tests, which I'm not like an oh. evil person. You know this. Well, look at you. You're too psychotically <laughs> aggressive sometimes. But that's the chaos part. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's Aaron! Apparently Jen no, and Jen I... No, Jen hasn't said hers. Neutral good. Neutral good? Apparently Jen and I both like structure. Yeah, so, uh... <laughs> Me? <laughs> Loving structure? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> when I first took it in high school, they gave me chaotic neutral, and this was somebody who, like, actually had the test written down, and we were doing it, like, right then and there in the middle mm-hmm. of a D&D club in high school, and they're like, here you go, oh, chaotic cool. neutral. I've taken it again, like, multiple times, and I've gotten either chaotic good or chaotic neutral. And today, it was definitely chaotic neutral, which, you know completely fits the bill because on confession I said on <laughs> group chat that if nobody was going to be chaotic evil here I was going to come and be chaotic evil but you know we have a pretty good situation going on so that's fine I'll stay chaotic neutral and that is the most chaotic neutral statement I've said all day there are a lot there's a lot of chaos and a lot of neutrality in this yeah <laughs> well we it, it, libraries are not places of tranquility. I think we're being trained by virtue of our workplace to, to be, be a chaotic. Chaotic, that's true. I yeah. mean, and to thankfully be good. So there's also a nice balance of good. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, it's probably good that none of us got any sort of evil yeah. class on this test. I guess it depends. Like, if you were, because I was answering mostly as myself and on some of the questions that needed a more extreme response, I was like, okay. If I were an extreme version of myself, this is how I would respond to this specific situation. Like the one about poisoning the king, I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. because I do believe that all kings and gods should be poisoned. Okay, Sorry, but I had y'all. to do that again. 
There was another one that I had a problem with. <laughs> I did. No, I did too because, because the second one was like, yes, but only if I don't get caught. I was like, no, catch me, boo. Like, I, I will press I in like, your suit. Is like, he let's a go. just king or not? Because if he's a just king, there's I don't. no such thing. But we are we are already in a fantasy realm where we are still living under like medieval kings, so they can be just. They cannot. <laughs> And would not. like to have a no. word with you. No, no, they cannot. Just because. Listen, Robin the concept Hood. of feudalism is evil. If it, thank you. But. If Robin Hood teaches us nothing else, it is that the king is always evil. Period. Literally, every single one of my characters ever in a medieval setting is always a Robin Hood character. So I understand. Can, I mean, chaotic, neutral. You can, you can have a kindly king, but. But by virtue of him being a king, he enacts well, it's violence. It's like having a kindly slave master. No, I, that's he still owns slaves. That's what I'm saying. By, <laughs> yes. by virtue of being a king, he enacts violence on people. Exactly. I don't think you realize how many princess stories I've heard. <laughs> I'm writing a princess story. How much blood do you think Cinderella has on her hands? Oh my god. Hopefully well, not. I mean, in the traditional Cinderella story, hopefully, yeah, well, actually, in the German Cinderella story, <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> But is it her fault that her sisters cut off their toes and I'm just saying, did she do the knife handling in that? I mean, they can't even get dressed without her, so maybe she did. That's fair. I could see the uh, step. Uh, I'm just being like, Sarah saw off her toes. So, okay, I got, <laughs> let's go around again. I want to start with Jen. Okay. Just to see how much, what little you know or what you've read on some of the stuff that I shared in the working doc. None of it. How okay, satanic good. do you think we all are for having played D&D? No, I'm sorry, <laughs> carry on. How... If you were a Dean, this is an interesting little commentary really quick. There are people that typically play D&D &D for the first time, at least I, I don't know this per se, but it, it was true for me, and it's people say it's true for a lot. When you play D&D &D for the first time, you almost create a reflection of yourself, like your actual self. You try to play yourself, but mm -hmm. then later on, you start branching out a little bit more and playing... Um, different things. I like, think the only reason I didn't is because I've been a fiction writer for so long that creating a, is so that easy. makes a lot it's of second hand to me that I was just like yeah oh, I could see oh, that okay being. cool so but yeah I could see that being the case like if you've never done that before you're gonna lean hard into yeah like you kind you of know. know what you're already about so you can just amplify some of that and it's yeah. a good way to test the waters absolutely yes yeah, yeah yeah for you if you were to play right now without knowing all the classes and all the little stuff and races what might you play as I mean you can borrow from common media you can borrow from movies to use examples I want to be a little bit of this person with this this and we will try to maybe a, a assign it like a class and or if you want to go strip human boring um, <laughs> but that's fine here's what I imagine may I to you hit me <laughs> don't really we're gonna hit me <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing I'm gonna I, I'm gonna assign her it, it's a more recently released material the curriculum is Strixhaven um, which okay. it really leans into like an act like a magical academic kind of setting okay you sure. are an owlin i don't know what that means owl person owl, owl person sure. okay they look right. cool wizard okay owl person with well a little bit of, a couple levels into the bard i was about to say i feel like i want to be a bard type character bards are tricky for first oh, playing they really look like owls <laughs> <laughs> yeah bards I could They're literally out. Yeah, that's really out. Because like, okay. I, I see you bounce around the library sometimes, and I'm imagining you if you were to like turn into like a race from D and D, you're gonna become like the island, like fluttering. Come here, guys! Come here! <laughs> my speaking of bards, my um, D and D group, my friend Franny went 
hard as a bard. Like, she was literally like, oh, I'm going to be everything that Shakespeare could never dream of being because he didn't have D&D. <laughs> she literally, in one campaign, seduced the Dragon Queen, who was literally, like, ready to just kill us all. And the only reason she didn't is because, well, you know, Franny literally seduced her. It was... <laughs> hilarious and then we had this massive battle where like we were getting stomped because none of us was rolling well <laughs> at all and so like Franny's like hmm you know I do have this spell basically the spell was like you could create something as long as you could determine like it's size and once you made it like you basically would draw it almost like as an artist artistic mm -hmm. representation of something and then once you did it it would transform magically into that thing she drew a mountain-sized boulder <laughs> that fit right over the army and then dropped it <laughs> on them strategy and i was like excuse me <laughs> like it was <laughs> basically she was just like how can i be franny but okay. magical <laughs> it was just like <laughs> so when i heard you describe the spell and you can create the thing which you are drawing mm -hmm. is it bad that i was like a bazooka <laughs> <laughs> well okay. depends on the setting it would have yeah depend it would have to depend on the setting and dms are interesting we can talk about the range of dms at some point yeah i was literally how just gonna much say they'll let a you giant get away dark with. room and they all just sit in the room and they die you know, there it actually warrants discussion after tony just said that there are more rules to DD than there are to real life let's just accept it um that's probably true i think most of the people that have really created DD secretly work for the irs um the nsa it, there are rules there's a lot of rules just across the board it, they're not too many i exaggerate but there's a lot wizards of the coast is actually the basement level of the irs office <laughs> but there there's a concept within dming dungeon mastering mm -hmm. when you're in charge of the game called the rule of cool now i've played with a number of dms at this point um some are a little bit more rule flowery. They, they follow the rules a little bit more closely. Mm -hmm. Some are a little bit more like, that makes no sense. I'll buy it. Let's do it. Let's, <laughs> and we'll go for it. We'll be like, so, if you can roll it, sure. <laughs> but there is like a certain level of um, like drawing a mountain. Like I'm trying to imagine, like, it's like in some of the games that I played, wouldn't that ever fly with the dungeon masters I played with? Um, yeah, it was one of those spells that had a very specific parameters, and if you worked within the parameters, like my our DM was very much like, all right, if you have a cool spell, I don't mind you using it, but you have to you have to work within the parameters of the spell, and I'm not gonna like, like, blank block you right. just because I don't want to see that thing happen or I have plans for something else. Like, if you can pull it off, I think, more power to you. I think game mechanics wise, <laughs> one of the most bonkers things that I've done is I. And it's one of my coolest D&D achievements is like, as a fighter, my character, he's a dragonborn. He want, like, the DMs put me in a corner of this town where I was one single fighter, one player against an adult. And like, I'm really trying to let the, the, the anger stay to them because like, it made me so mad when I came to the table. I'm like, Dan, serious, I'm taking this personally. Is this, did you do this to me? Do you want me out of the game? Like, because I thought like, I cannot one character, no matter how high level I was, tackle an adult black dragon. Uh, ooh. 1v1. I brought that little mm. scaly you turd down. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it kind of frustrated him a little bit because, like, in this DM campaign setting, there are not, like, strict firearms, not, like, pew, 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 mm -hmm. but there's a 
magical. They they are pistols, but they're magical, and only certain initiated and trained can use them. And I did, er, like a couple years ago, worked out a little system where I trained with the guy who had one. And okay. when that character died, I took it off his body, and I forgot about it for like better part of a year and a half. But like I'm rolling really well, attacking this dragon, and the DM being who he is, like so the this dragon takes to the skies like. <laughs> and he said he just looked at me he's like when did you I can see the, the, like the realization what, what just happened and then the infamous and a lot of DMs online do this how do you want to do this which is like you because he was the last creature on the map left alive and everyone's running because they're thinking I'm still going to die running to get to me in time uh, how do you want to do this? And I'm like, I got to describe exactly how the dragon fell and how I gored it, like just ripped its like throat that's open. Always fun. <laughs> and describe the yeah. just the pure ridiculousness of like stupid little things like that. Like I love dice. Okay. Hmm? Well, okay. Yes. How? What are you gonna so be? You, yeah, we did me. Yeah. I feel like we kind of like. I want to be a bard and I want to be magic and that's really I don't know anything about how this game works. I feel the like the closest you're... I have come is watching them play griffins and gargoyles on Riverdale. Okay. And then they turned <laughs> Betty into the Griffin Queen and broke everybody out of the conversion camp slash like torture therapy place oh. that the nuns were running. Arakakra, maybe. I feel like you'd make a good elf. And I what also else? feel I like to be able to get to you'd make a you good guys yeah. as well. thief. Character. That could be fun. Um, but, you know. Yes. Aaron, um, what I, character would you play if you could, would? Uh, uh, oh, God. Um, just going off of my own characters, probably either something like an elf or a halfling character. Oh, Only because yeah. I, I, li I like magic, but I also, you know, realize that elflings are not, uh, not elflings. Elflings, totally. Ah! <laughs> be an elfling. Got it. Yeah. Half elf, half. <laughs> Halfling, why not? Um, yeah. Essentially, like they halflings don't all have that magic, and sometimes I like to rely on that. But yeah. You know, it depends on my mood of the day. Depends, you know. I feel like you would be Thranduil. Um, from the Hobbit. From the Hobbit. <laughs> oh. They were a little darker. The the energy of Thranduil, was including that stupid elk. Are you saying I'm leaping? Yeah, you're leaping. Yes! yes! I yes. love that! Yes, yes. Love it. Um, because he's totally a chaotic neutral character with a splash of... Well, no. I mean, that's the whole point of being neutral. Like, he's definitely a chaotic neutral. Like, he's just like, hmm, yeah. How do I feel help, today? I'll help you out because those orcs killed my wife. And I'm still mad about it. I'm petty about it. I'm not helping the humans because they actually need help. I'm helping them because maybe they'll help me kill the the dwarves in the mm -hmm. mountain. Like, <laughs> that's a you. But it's also my character is definitely one of those characters, and this is something that like I've noted within my own playthroughs, like Skyrim or anything else that has to do with like role playing in general. Mm -hmm. If it's not nailed down, it's going into my backpack. <laughs> oh yeah. That's... I am one of those people. It's not like in Skyrim when I play the game, I don't go through. Do you and build up your stamina a lot so that you can carry everything on the map? No, I bring a companion and I give it all to them. Um, God, I can do that. I oh, also yeah. um, have a mod called cool. Convenient Horses, and because I'm a cheater, a dirty cheater, mm -hmm. I like to. Um, you can take the horse with you, and they have a infinite poundage uh, 
inventory that you can put in their bags. Oh, and so I just oh. throw it all in there, and then I take it out when I go home. Um, however, I have a tendency to hoard books, which is totally yeah. a librarian thing. But I will go into every single location, and I will take every single book. You know, like how like people are yeah, like, like, I want all the cheese wheels. Yeah, the whole shelf of the books. Well, yeah, yeah, no, right. I will take the whole entire shelf of books along with every single weapon that they own. Okay. And I will take all of those home, and then I will melt them down and make things. Well, that's cool. And that's like my whole entire thing is oh, I will like just like take that. all of their stuff. And so basically, you're a dragon. And every, yeah, yeah, pretty much, because every it. single time I get there, like, I always do uh, either Thieves Guild or College first, so I'm either, like, doing the Meiji stuff or the Thief stuff first. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm usually, like, Guild Master by, like, level, like, 25. If I could, I'm trying to figure out what I would want my next character to be in Dungeons & Dragons. So just, you know, if we ever play, let me just steal everything <laughs> off, like, the counter. We go into, like, a total, like... In or I'm something. I'm my perception, so I feel like loot my pocket. I'm going back. Stay away. No, you're gonna have us go into an inn, and I'm gonna be like, huh? There's a giant cheese wheel over there. I'm feeling kind of hungry. And I'm just gonna take the cheese wheel and run away. Do it. I feel like I wanna play. Ironically, a... that's how a terrible liar. So if they caught me, I'd be all over. <laughs> I feel like I wanna play um, a paladin at some point. Maybe not next, but I. I think I want to try playing a paladin. Um, I, you're never going to catch me playing a non-magic. I'm not an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're never, I was looking at braces. Oh, well, you're never going to catch me playing a non-magic character, because why am I in a fantasy world if I can't do magic? Like, what? Why? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I say that, and I play it in orc. But that's still like. But she had a bunch of magic yeah. swords. So. And you get magic. It's enchanted. You're not a human. It is something. Something a little more fantastic. That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think I want to play a paladin some sort. I don't really know what race I'm like dying to play because I. I don't really have races that I'm like dying to play necessarily in D and D. Not that I think, can think of. It's but, almost like like you have the class in mind though, and that's like the foundation. Yeah. And then you explore races like, ooh, I think I can work something interesting. Can we just have like yeah. a staff instead of like staff book picks? Can we have staff D and D? Okay, we can't even get people to come to book club. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we can go with just a, oh, oh. Please come to book club. Great. Yeah. <laughs> no. <it's> <laughs> <laughs> Your thing. Okay. Go. Um, I'm. I've always been a magic guy. Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. So in whatever I play, um. So I'd be a wizard. Oh, my first D and D character I made was a warlock. However, if like I was going to transport myself into the D and D world, mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be in thrall to some deity. Yeah, that's my problem and, with warlocks. But, but, yeah. Because I I like the seek seeker forbidden knowledge part, but I don't like yeah. you know being bound to this weird Cthulhu guy. <laughs> so um. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be a wizard or sorcerer. Mm -hmm. Um. As far as race, I was actually looking through them earlier. Um, it is one of the sub-races of Gith, of the Gith. Um, oh. The Shalabadida, Shalabadida. <laughs> That's a new race right <laughs> yes. Although that would be a good D&D name if you really wanted to tick off your DM. Right? <laughs> they have to say that. 
All right, Schlarberty Dom, what do you roll? <laughs> my friend, when, he, when he's looking, my friend Hannah and I, a couple years ago, we started a campaign and died after like six sessions. But we were twins, twin uh, twin wood elves. <laughs> we were I from Clan Morningwood. Uh, uh, so every time the DM had to like, and he just like, I hate you too. <laughs> So terrible. They had the it's same that same pun in I think it was Fable Three or one of the Fables or something. Oh yeah, I do. Yes, mm-hmm. vaguely from the like two days that I played Fable mm-hmm. Three, Fable Two. Yeah. Um. The race, by the way, was called the uh, Githzerai. Oh. Oh. Because the, the, the Gith as a group were once once controlled and abused by the Mind Flayers, but over time they rose up against yeah. their captors, only to fall into civil war and split into two sub races. Mine is the more magic. They are a fun race. Focused race, yeah. Huh. I've never played them. Um, really quick, because I talked a lot. Um, I would say that I really want to get into Bard. Sure. But I, I, I've been having this dream of creating like a bard Barian character. And it wouldn't work mathematically, because like the strength distribution between the two. But the idea of, of someone who's like a bard, but then like just snaps and like just starts whipping someone with their loot. Um, Anyone else have it's hard to be the bard stuck in their head right now, or is that just me? I think it's just, just you. Just you. I'm sorry. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> no help. No help. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a fictional character who I would label as a barbarian would probably be um, Gurney Halleck from Dune. Because he's like a master warrior. Oh, and then he goes yeah. and plays that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't wrong. Yeah. Until I didn't read the book, because I'm like, what? Because <laughs> he's not in the movie yet. Oh, he's in, he's in the movie. He's Josh Brolin. He doesn't play the instrument in the movie, though. Oh, I was going to say, I would remember. Yeah, there is precious little instrumentation. You can, you can see it in the background. But oh. the, he said, he claims that there's musical footage. I honestly forgot Josh Brolin was in that movie. <laughs> I also, as I was frantically Googling and accidentally getting an ad playing on my phone, in somebody's rules of D and D, it looks like you can play a fairy, and I want to yeah. play a fairy. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. They, they're, yeah. they're relatively like witches in the oh God, the name of the book that they were released in, um, but okay. they're a, yeah. they're they're a fun little race. What are the, what, what's the size of fairies in the D and D universe? Like like a fairy fairy size? Or uh, like, they're a little bigger, like two and a half, three feet. Okay, yeah. Fairy, so like my size. Fairy could be <laughs> fairy fits you, and fairy actually could be really fun. I'm not sure, like in that bard variant, I'm not sure what race I would go, mm. but because like there's so many races out there that I, I, I every now and then I'm like, like I want to play that, I want to play that. Sure, I have yeah. to look and get inspired. Yes, I think tiefling would be interesting at some point. I just don't know what to pair it. In all of my frantic googling, bard looked fun and cleric looked kind of fun. Cleric fairy. Cleric. A cleric fairy, I could see you being a cleric fairy. Maybe you could call yourself yeah. Beverly Clear, Cleary. <laughs> Beverly Cleary. Elfings do exist. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. okay, really quick. I know we don't have much time left. Yep. I want to talk on one thing. Satanic panic. Really quick. Oh, no. There's not much to really say about it. Like, oh, what the? <laughs> there's, what? It, That's why it's people quick. ridiculous that they got into it. Like, um, in the late this 70s, early the 80s, 80s, there was an yeah. MSU student where the biggest example of the hype was this MSU student went missing. Oh, yeah. And the investigations... Boiled down to like, oh, he was playing D and D. You they, stop it right now. <laughs> Are you of them graduates having a moment over here? Yeah. Carry on. But the classic <laughs> Michigan State. Anyways, right? they're like saying he was playing D and D, and all his role playing friends. They were. It was a gateway to Satan worshiping. So they have all these little fearful 
beliefs about this young man's disappearance, which, and I can't remember specific, but like in this situation, he he did disappear for a few days, but is he wanted to hang out with like a, his partner? He was a homosexual in the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. Yeah. He wanted to kind of get out of town, yeah. but like, what do you do when you? How many East Lansing jokes can I make in the five minutes <laughs> I have left to be <laughs> down here? I mean, like, what are other misconceptions? Like for me, why I took like 36, 37 years to get into it. Because I had this, in Jackson at least, I had this misconception that the only people that played D&D were these, touch my belly as I say this, um, <laughs> overweight nerds living in basements. Mom's who basement. Don't, who don't shower. And don't shower. smell yeah. of body odor and drink way too much Mountain Dew. Yeah. Well, but you know, honestly, if we're going to, at the time, it, the stereotype is a stereotype is a yeah. stereotype. But at the time, they're the only people who just didn't care what anybody else thought. <laughs> like, they were like, we've dealt with this forever. Everyone hates us already anyway. What's one little game that we know isn't satanic? What that's, what, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, it's like a, it, it's still a horrible stereotype. And would that be kind of like an advent of the internet thing? coming up and sort of making people able to Google D&D and, like, find out that it is not this wildly satanic, like, we're doing midnight rituals out here in the garden kind of thing. Sure. I'd, I'd like to imagine a group of people busting in on a D&D game, thinking that they're going to find people in hoods. And, and it's just yeah. people, like, rolling uh, dice. And I, just roll, going... I roll a d6. And... <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I know there's, I know that the, the information is out there. I don't have access to it because I don't commit these things to memory and I, whatever but there's a, there is a, there's a lot of like cultural like overlays that tie into why people why the why satanic panic even happened in the first place mm -hmm. um, as there would be but also why D&D gets caught up in all of that and I feel like the very last sort of like the dregs of satanic panic was Harry Potter um, in its yeah. earliest years yeah, was absolutely. like that was yeah. the final time that you had this huge thing that people were like, oh my, because I remember, if there's a sermon, you could YouTube it. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to say which group it's from, but still, you can Google it if you, or find it on YouTube, where a guy in the sermon, this is in 2001, literally takes a Time Magazine article that um, Pollywog appears on, and compares that and Harry Potter because he's like, and this is a the, the people who do the merchandising for Harry Potter is a subsidiary of this, which is a subsidiary of this, which is a subsidiary of Wizard of the Coast. And those are the people that we, that make that demonic Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I just like, I, and I wanted to pass out. I was like, so Pokemon, Harry Potter, and Dungeons and Dragons are going to send us all to, yep, I remember growing up in those 90s. <laughs> I'd like to think we've seen the last of the Satanic Panic, no, but I, I I, would also say buckle up. <laughs> yeah. I would say buckle that up, it, I, think, back. I think that it is no longer a viable thing in terms of entertainment. I would say that the thing that people are terrified of now is tied into like everything to do with like identity and you know that and that's not quite the same as satanic panic yeah. or something else which is I, horrifying but yeah it comes from a similar place and i'm hoping we're seeing we've got to go in a second so. i'm hoping we're seeing and i'm gonna dying pretty shortly Absolutely. after crashing yes. of the you know yeah yeah okay Re really quick oh go ahead i'm gonna run but aragorn legolas thranduil go 
Oh, that's I was gonna, rude! I was gonna actually gonna say. That's actually what I was gonna put out there. I love that. As you're walking out, I was gonna suggest Tolkien, Le Guin, and Martin. Kill Martin. Sorry. I no. mean, we he's, can't. He's killed so many people. We, okay, first of all, two of those are already dead. <laughs> but I would say, I am totally. I don't know that she would be someone who would. Her husband might disagree. I don't know what living with her would be like. Um, but I would totally marry Le Guin just based off of her ideas. Because, okay. And also, she's someone you can really like talk these things through with. She she'd just be an interesting conversationalist throughout a marriage. I can get down with that. Um, and I would kill Tolkien and and have some fun with Martin. One because Tolkien's already dead, and he only listen. I want to kill his legacy. That's what I want to do. I am so tired of him being the bastion of all things fantasy when even he knew he was not. He wrote Lord of the Rings. He did a fantastic job doing it. I think it is a work of genius. I think it is clearly one of the best works, if not the best work of the 20th century. Um, it, it is astounding. It stands head and shoulders above so much of what was published in the 20th century, which actually is, I mean, there's quite a lot of good things in the 20th century. But he is not the reason we all read fantasy in the way that we do. He is one person who did one thing really well, and everybody else paid attention to it and was like, let's make some money. And they're the reason that we have the fantasy field that we have. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So there's my, Grant's heard me make this argument earlier this yeah. week. But that's, that's my thing. Kill Tolkien, kill his legacy, give me some Martin for a night, you know, so I can, you know, read Winds of Winter. While he's asleep, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to let you read this or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I'm gonna hack his computer, you know, and do the whole thing, and, and I'm gonna marry Le Guin because. You know. Do you know reportedly that he uses when he writes his books, he writes them on an older computer that's not connected to the internet. Yeah, and he has he he has his offices in a tower that he built in his backyard because one, he's a nerd who has money to build a tower in his backyard, but he also there's no internet access in that whole building because. Yeah, he doesn't want, you know, when he goes to write. He... So I dare say, I hope you all listen to this through the, its end. Yeah. I hope you have an idea what D&D is all about. I hope you have an interest in playing. Or at least come um, and ask us if you don't. Yeah, we can tell you. you Where we can set up a time when you can come play. That would be ideal. Yeah.